Let's open to Romans 13. Yeah, she's here. That's all I was doing. I was waiting for her to give me a kiss. This is a true story. My daddy told me if I ever took a girl out that didn't kiss me on the first date, marry her. Guess who was the only one who didn't kiss me on the first date? That's a true story. Going to turn to red? Zeke, is that you back there? Wave at everybody. Stand up and look what a man that's become. Amen. I know they're thrilled too. I remember when he was little. I told him last week, Brother Jerry, I sure glad I was good to him. Yeah, me too. <laughs> he grew up to be a big old boy. <laughs> I better start behaving some of these other young kids. I'm teasing all the time. Romans chapter 13. I didn't know whether to entitle this, what time is it, or Reveille. Time to get up. Romans chapter 13. Beginning with verse 11. Now the apostle has uh, been giving instructions in chapter 13 about submitting to government and, and then loving our neighbor. And then in verse 11, he gives us these instructions. And do this, all these other things. Knowing the time. Do this knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in reverie and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions to fulfill the flesh, the lust of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, it is so good to be in your house. I thank you just for the privilege of being here today, for the privilege of studying your word in Sunday school, for the privilege of singing your praises, for the privileges of pastoring this group of your people. Lord, for the privilege of living in a free land, we thank you. Be with those who are guarding our freedoms right now and protect them and their loved ones. Be with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering persecution just for calling on the precious name of Jesus. Be with our missionaries who are spreading your word. And Father, be with us in a special way right now. You've been with us through Sunday school and through the singing of praises. Now be with us through the study of your word. Let your word come alive. Let it convict us. Let it move us to do what you would have us to do so that the name of Jesus will be uplifted in our midst. And Father, as you do these things for us, we will praise your holy name. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know how many, I don't know if it's still required reading or not, in my English class in high school it was. There was a story by Washington Irving called Rip Van Winkle. Anybody ever read that, that story? A few of you? No, some, some, they must not do that anymore. Some do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't in your class. <laughs> no, I wish I would have been. Uh, Rip Van Winkle, uh, 
according to the story, lived in colonial America in Pennsylvania. He went up into the mountains one day and he fell asleep and didn't wake up for 20 years. 20 years he slept. What does that mean? You see, when he went to sleep, we had the colonies of America. When he woke up, we had the United States of America. He slept through the Declaration of Independence, the Revolutionary War, the Continental Congress, the drafting of the Constitution, the ratification, the formulation of the United States of America. In other words, Rip Van Winkle slept through the most important days of his life. Wasn't a part of any of it. And how hard it was for him to adjust because he missed it. You see, I think this passage of Scripture speaks to us that it's time for God's people to wake up to spiritual revival. It's time for us to wake up to spiritual revival. You see, only God can bring a spiritual awakening in our country. I believe if he does that, it'll cross denominational lines, cultural, racial, ethnic lines. But I'm afraid that if we're sleeping spiritually, we'll miss it. See... Southern Baptists have already done that once. They, they called it the, the hippie revolution, but it was the revival among the flyer children. And they did have a revival. Many came to Christ. And the church, because they were so different, said, we want no part of that. And God let us have no part of that awakening. You see, it's been a long, long time since we had a nationwide revival. Even though it's broke out on continents all over the world... It is yet to visit North America. Back when Rip Van Winkle was alive or when the colonial states were were there, we need to understand that only 4% claim to be Christians. As we keep going on, you need to understand that it got a little more each year until now at our time it's going back down the other way. It's time for us to wake up spiritually to experience God's Revival. And so what does that mean? Two or three things. First of all, notice the time in verse 11. The time. What what does verse 11 say? He says this. And do this knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Under the time, there needs to be an awareness. He says, do this knowing the time. To know means to investigate, to pay attention, to look deeply. It isn't just what we've heard. It's actually digging, looking at the times. And time there does not mean that it's 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. Time there means an epoch. It means an opportunity. It means something that is ripe. It means that if you miss it, you miss it. And it won't repeat itself. So we're to look And know that this is our opportunity. This is the time to draw near to God so he will draw near to us. Do these things knowing the time. Have an awareness of the time. An opportunity of a lifetime awaits us if we wake up in time. You see, Paul called the Roman Christians and us to live a life of awareness. What time is it? Christ could come back at any moment. We seem to have lost that in our churches. I'm going to say it again. Christ could come back at any moment. It's an awareness of what time it is. You see, any time 
We find us knowing the time. I found it interesting that the Jews of Jesus' day didn't know the time. From Malachi till the time he came on the scene was 430 years. Malachi ends with the prophecy that the Messiah will come to the nation. Matthew picks it up. He was born. And yet they're questioning him, wanting him to do some sign to prove who he is. And he told them these words. He says, when it's red in the morning, you talk about a storm at night. Or when it's red in the evening, you talk about a storm in the morning. It's funny to me how you can know the, the times by the weather, but you don't realize what time it really is. They didn't recognize and wouldn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. Do we know the time? Are we paying attention? No, he's preaching about it. It could be any minute. It's been all this time. Yeah, because it's been all that time, it means the clock is ticking down to the time Christ comes back. Do I know exactly when that will be? No. Only the Father knows. But when it happens, we're supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be aware of the time. Then there's an awakening. He says it's now high time to awaken out of sleep. High time means we're late. High time means it's later than we think. High time means like this. It's a Monday morning. You're supposed to be at work at 8. And it's 10 minutes till and your alarm didn't go off. And you jump out of bed and say, oh my. I'm in trouble. I'm not going to make it. It's high time. See, you can't afford to be spiritually drowsy when God's saying, wake up. The kingdom is at hand. Wake up. It's high time to awaken out of sleep. But then there's what I termed an awesomeness. What is the awesome part of it? Our salvation is nearer thou, now than when we first believed. It doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian 60 years or 60 minutes. You're closer now to Jesus coming back than when you first believed. Do we understand that? It's high time to wake up for our salvation is closer now than when we believed. It's closer now. You see, it's our vindication. It shows the world when Jesus comes back and we go to meet him that our faith was well placed. It's closer than it's ever been. As I said earlier, at the time of the Declaration of Independence, between 4 and 5% were Christians. By the Civil War, 12% were. By the turn of the century, 25% were. During the 50s and 60s and early 70s, they estimated that between 45 and 50% of our land were born-again believers. We're back down towards that less than 10%. We're back down to that 12 to 15% according to who we consider to be born-again Do we understand that it's high time to wake up? It's time to pray for revival. It's time to seek God's face. It's time for the church to stand up and say, Oh, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, won't you send us revival? Oh, Lord, we're ready. Oh, Lord, we long to feel your presence. We long for your spirit to move. We long for you to be the God you want to be in our lives. And if that thought bores you, what is wrong? If that thought doesn't disturb you, 
what are you doing? Are you asleep? Do you enjoy your slumber? He says it's high time to awaken out of sleep because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It speaks of urgency. It speaks of will Christ catch us sleeping or will Christ catch us ready, awake, alert, on guard, working for him. Remember, Jesus had several parables he told about that. Remember the parable of the ten virgins? And they had five brought oil and were ready for the bridegroom. And five didn't and were left behind and they wouldn't let them in. Because they weren't ready. They weren't awake. They weren't... Because they didn't know when he was coming. See, we don't understand that because in our day, you have a set time. You meet the bride and groom. You know, they have the ceremony. They go up and have a rehearsal or a reception, blah, 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 blah. And that day, you knew that it was sometime during this week that the bridegroom would show up. And if you were part of his party, you had to wait for him. And when he showed up, you had to be ready to go because he wasn't waiting for you. You were to be waiting for him. Christ isn't waiting for us. We're to wait for him in expectation, in hope, in faith. Are we doing that? So there needs to be an awareness of time. There needs to be an awakening, there needs to be the awesomeness of realizing what Jesus is doing, but there needs to be that remembrance of time. But in verse 12, I see the trumpet. So we have the time and we have the trumpet. He says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. You see, there's a purposeful call here. There really is. It's a purposeful call. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. A lot of the cities of that day would open the gates at the first sound of the trumpet. See, the trumpet had to issue the right call. That first note had to be the right note. So they knew that it was okay to open the gates. They knew everything was okay. When they saw a party or a group coming, they would blow and say, it's a friend. Or they would blow two or three blasts and say, it's an enemy. And they'd shut it up. The call had to be purposeful. It had to be clear. And he says it this way, as clear as he can, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. You see, we live between the tension of one day Jesus coming back and when will it be? And in that tension is where we're to live, ready for Him, our Savior, to make an appearance. And the call of the church is the day is at hand, the night is far spent, If you haven't accepted Christ, do so before it's too late. The day is at hand, Christian. Get it right. Get with it before it's too late. The day is at hand. The trumpet call has to be purposeful. But there also is a need to be properly clothed. He says, cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. What he's saying is bedclothes are not appropriate for work or for the day. One of the things that disturbs me most is how many people wear pajamas to Walmart. Does that not bother y'all? You know, I know I'm getting old, but that just, that just, mm-mm. and when the girls were in school, they were wearing pajamas to class. Can you imagine teaching people in pajamas? No way. Uh-uh. 
And by the way, I don't really care what you wear, but wear something other than pajamas to church. I'm serious about that. Yeah. But see, what he's saying is, do you realize it's inappropriate when you have an important meeting to not comb your hair, brush your teeth, and wear your pajamas? He says, cast off the works of darkness. He's going to name them later. Did you, did, I mean, he really does. Because he says, what are the works of darkness? That's what properly in verse 13. As in the day, not in reverie and drunkenness, lewdness and lust, strife and envy. He says, those are not appropriate clothes for a Christian. Cast off those works. Put on the armor of light, the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. Uh, the feet of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit. We could keep going on. He said we're to be ready because that, that, that armor of light speaks of being ready for the battle. You understand when you get up every day, you have a spiritual battle awaiting you. I hate to tell you that, but in this life, that's the way it is. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the devil's out to get us. He walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not a good dude. And Paul says there's a need to be properly clothed. The call of God is for the church to awaken. Now, I believe in our day, there's about five sins in the church that are the greatest sins. I'm just going to share them with you. You can disagree. We can talk about it later. The first one is unbelief. Too many churches don't believe God's word. I don't care what you say. That's unbelief. The second one is religious tradition. Now, I'm all for tradition, and you need to learn from the past. But let me tell you something. When tradition becomes worshipped, it is nothing but an idol. Pride, well, we've always done it that way. We'll be fine. That's pride. The only thing that keeps church doors open is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do we understand that? Broken relationships. Churches are the only organization that shoots their wounded. And we find broken relationships with people all the time. The last one is the greatest. It's an unwillingness to witness. We know the truth. We have the truth. We won't talk the truth. In the book of Joel, you can write it down. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 12, Joel says these words. Now, therefore, says the Lord... Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. For the Lord your God, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation. He goes on, the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people, and the Lord will answer. You see, we've got to be aware of the time, but we need to issue the call. The 
The call is come back to God with your whole heart. The call is we need revival. The call is we need spiritual awakening. The call is won't you listen? Won't you obey? The trumpet needs to sound. Verses 13 and 14 give us the triumph, which is the third point. The triumph. Again, Paul says, let us walk properly as in the day. And not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Paul starts off in the triumph and lists the past. He says the past is past. He lists six sins in groups of two. You know, really three pairs, revelry and drunkenness. You're having a party and you're not acting the way you should. Licentiousness and lewdness or lust. It's sexual sin. Strife and envy has to do with how we relate to one another as, as Christians. Do we have that? You see, in a church, we'll overlook some sin. Some sins we condemn and some we don't. But sin is sin. It amazes me how many churches will overlook somebody who just acts bad all the time. Every business meeting, they throw a fit. I want to tell you something. They need to be churched. You know, I don't like that, but that's the truth. We'll overlook a gossip. But we won't overlook a drunk. And yet the gossip does just as much harm in the community as the drunk does. Do I need to keep on? Sins of attitude. Well, don't put me on the committee with them. Please don't tell me that because I'm going to do it. I'm just honored enough to let God handle it. That goes from the preacher to the deacons to everybody in the pew. That those things are not proper for Christians. The past is past. And then what's the present? Put off those things and put on the Lord Jesus. Make no provision for the flesh. In other words, it's victory. It's triumph. We grow in Christ. We wear His robes. Dipped in His blood, white. Singing worthy is the Lamb. I like the way Augustine of Hippo said it. He'd been converted from drunkenness and revelry and lewdness and all those evil sins. He saw one of the girls he knew when he was that way. And she said, Augustine, Augustine. That's my mind saying how she sounded. If you want to sound different, make up your own sound. It's me, Augustine. He ran away. He said, it's me, Augustine. He says, yes, but it's not me. His old life was his old life. He'd put on Christ. And he wasn't going to make provision for the flesh any longer. So the gospel says flee all immorality. The very appearance of it. See, because we're to put on Christ. That's our triumph. When we wake up. We do away with those old things. When we wake up and we're walking in, in consciousness. We see, you ever, you ever been so sleepy you stumble across the bedroom and hit the, the corner of the bed with your toe? You jump up and down and hopefully you don't say any bad words. Don't tell me if you do, I don't want to know. Okay. Say, hallelujah, Lord, you woke me up. It's because you're not awake. You're stumbling around. And he says, it's time to wake up, church. It's time to pay attention where we're going. It's time to look for God to visit us. Maybe he'll leave a blessing for us. 
with revival and renewal and a, a, a fresh spirit of Christ moving in our midst, of allowing the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit with us. Amen. Who needs revival? Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Do the songs of God and the word of God not thrill your heart? Does it not make you smile when you see fellow church members? Does the privilege of coming to God's house not make you want to weep? If you said, no it doesn't. To any of those and other questions, you need revival. Well, you don't know my situation. God does. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, please. The world is rough. It hurts us. But that doesn't mean God doesn't still love us. Doesn't mean He doesn't want to visit us. Doesn't mean He doesn't want to use us. But sometimes He knows we're low and we need revival. We have a chance the next two Wednesday nights to pray that during our revival services, God makes Himself known. That He just pours out His Spirit upon this place. He won't do that if we're not ready. He won't do that if we don't ask. This morning, if you need revival, you can come to the altar and get that straight with God. If you, if you need rededication just to walk in a way that pleases Him, we want you to do that and have that opportunity. If, if you need to come and be saved because you've never been vived, you've never been born again, you can't be revived if you've never had it in the first place and you need to accept Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to join the church and put your life and work here. You've been waiting and waiting. It's time to quit waiting. Your revival starts with your joining here. Whatever your decision is, we want you to make it. I'm going to pray. Then we're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead the hymn of invitation. And you come as God wants you to come for His glory. Father God, this is your time. We know you're here. We can feel your presence. Father, thank you for your word, how it challenges us. And, Lord, how it convicts us and how it comforts us when we need it. Now, Lord, let Jesus be lifted up because you promised if he's lifted up, he will draw men and women, boys and girls, unto himself. Do that right now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.